Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiworld Dubai. Well, we know what sort of a year it's been, but even 2020 couldn't stop Aidan O'Brien. It's Love who's clear, she's well clear, so race to the line. Three or four, let's make three. For Love in the Kipco 1000 Guinness. right away, galloping clear in tremendous style to win the Oaks. He's made it all, he's out clear all the way, in six or seven lengths still, and serpentine for a remarkable win in the Investec Derby. As they head inside the final furlong, it's St Mark's Basilica under Frankie leading Wembley, pressing then came Thunder Moon, it's St Mark's Basilica though to win the Dewhurst. Roll up, roll up, it's Magic Hellman inside, who's trying to exact revenge on Gayat and Aidan joins me now live from Ballydoyle. Aidan, good morning. Hey, good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, just looking back at that highlights reel there, 2020 for you must have been slightly surreal, mustn't it? Sort of watching on most of those races from, from home. Yeah, I suppose it was it was uh, different. Uh, uh, um, absolutely, Nick. Um, I suppose it was great that there was racing on. Uh, I, I suppose so. Really, um, we were very happy to stay home and watch it from home. But um, we have a great team of people, and uh, everybody uh, did a great job. And um, I know, it, like like I say, it was great for everybody that that racing was held. Really, when the pandemic really started to grip in in sort of February March time, and you knew that things were 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 changing quite rapidly. How did you have to react? How did it change your, your regime as you're really starting to, to step up the work with some of these, these good horses? Yeah, so I suppose it was um, a little bit strange, all right. We, 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 we carried on as normal, um, um, hoping that the guineas and, and all those races would be on at the same time. Um, so we stuck to our own regime, and I suppose instead of racing them, um, we gave them uh, days away around that time, and uh, we kind of just had to wait. Um, we didn't panic too much. Um, we just kind of stayed in, the, in as much of a rhythm as we could. It was a little bit strange, a little bit different, and I suppose some horses found it different, and some suited and some it didn't suit, you know. So I suppose we just we played it by ear, really. I, a lot of people you know, have, have felt, quite restricted during the course of the year and they've, they've been in, in bubbles. I suppose, in a sense, you're, you're, so, you're so wed to, to Bally Doyle that it is, it is a little bit of a bubble in, it, in, it, in its own right anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we would have been always um, a very biosecurity conscious here in every way. Um, viruses was always our main danger in, in keeping the horses healthy and everyone would have been always very much that way, uh, changing their clothes before and come from different yards or whatever, everything was always very biosecurity. So uh, I suppose it, and, and like you said, like it is, uh, we're in a little bit of a bubble here. We don't move out that much and, uh, and it's, it's kind of a fairly controlled environment uh, usually, Nick. I mean, did it, did it tax you or, or were, you, were you just determined just to stay as, as relaxed as you possibly could in those, in those early weeks when sort of plans were flying left, right and centre? Were you just trying as, as hard as you possibly could to just to keep it, keep it nice and calm? 
yeah i think i think that was it exactly there was no pressure from anybody and and uh, that's all we could really do is, is just stay relaxed and play it by ear and and uh, take it week by week really um and to try stay in as, as much of a rhythm as we could uh, with the horses and and with everybody else i suppose too really I mean, do you think if you when you look back on the season as a whole and you look at the horses who've done well and the horses who've done perhaps less well than than you'd expected do you think there've been any that have really been beneficiaries of the season being different or or horses that might have done better had it had it worked out traditionally are there are there sort of winners and losers from from this do you think yeah i think there always is but it's very hard to know that really uh, and and really uh, you're training horses kind of week by week really day by day and seeing what's happening what what they're changing and like some some will like maybe when we get into next year and look back at this year then we'll have an idea did that suit or did it not uh, when we go back into a normal program i suppose it's very hard to say really um um like whether it suits them or not and and uh, um we kind of always the only time we'd ever look back is kind of look back and see what what we did the year before if something went wrong or, or something was good and if we changed anything the following year if if you know what i mean and just just looking at the most recent success, Aidan Mogul was a brilliant winner last weekend in in Hong Kong. Yeah, he, I guess, is an example of a horse who's who's had to sort of duck and dive a little bit this year because of the late start. And you were saying he's a hard horse to get fit. If you if you'd started him, say in March, April, and got a couple of runs into him, he might have been a he might have been a Derby winner come come the end of June. Yeah, I think so. Nick. Like I suppose it, it ideally didn't suit him. Maybe when you look at it, we we had planned on getting two runs into him before the Derby. Um, like obviously that just wasn't to be, and it was everything was a little bit forced and a little bit rushed with him. Um, he's a big, powerful, strong horse, and we knew that he would take racing. And as the season went on, that proved so. The more racing he got, the better he got. So you could say it didn't suit him. Um, but listen, at the same time, it suited others. Um, and and he did come like we did get him there at the end. So um, yeah, it's it's it, it's very hard to say really what suits or doesn't suit until you look back from the year gone by, if you, if you know what I mean. Because you could do what you think suits, and it mightn't suit at all, really. I mean, I'll come back to him in a minute. But obviously, yeah, he may not have been quite ready for for Epsom. One horse who definitely was was Serpentine. Lee Motta says done a brilliant piece in the Racing Post today, sort of charting everyone's views and thoughts on that day and, and what was a, a helter skelter and, and a pretty weird Derby to watch. When when you were watching it, what what were you thinking, sort of midway through the race? I, su- I suppose we were very happy uh, where Emmett had him. Emmett gave him a great ride. Um, he, he, he was tactically very aware, he was very strong at the finish and he was very focused and he got his fractions absolutely spot on. Um, I, I suppose we were very happy all the way. When he broke and he got the position he was in, he, he's a very relaxed horse. Uh, he, he doesn't over-race, he, he stays very well, very uncomplicated and very balanced. So I, I suppose, uh, listen, after going a furlong, we were very happy where <laughs> Emmett was because we knew that uh, we knew the pace was going to be even, so that was going to suit the rest of the horses. And, and uh, we knew um, if Emmett's horse was good enough, he, he had him in a good enough position, and he, he did everything absolutely 100%, like he, he executed it to perfection, really. Uh, Emmett said to me after the race in the interview, he said, Aidan told me, go out there, you can win the derby. Uh, is, that the sort of, is that the sort of message you give to all the jockeys to try and get them revved up before the race? Or did you have a particular feeling for this horse? Did you have a, a particular gut instinct that he could actually run like off his face, basically? Uh, yeah, well, uh, look, obviously, uh, uh, Nick, um, I suppose 
every horse that runs in a race we don't ever run them unless we could see uh, some case of circumstances uh, that that horse could win the race and then what we would do after that then we would um, discuss what tactics suit each horse and to uh, and to uh, uh, try and and, and uh, execute that I, I suppose really for us we like to have horses that like to be ridden handy and if we have a few and it's great to have something that likes to be ridden mid division and then something maybe out the back because you, you have um, chance uh, whatever way the race goes tactically then um, obviously he was a very well bred horse he, he, he won his maiden I think 9 or 10 lengths uh, his last run at the Coran like he galloped through the line and, and uh, went right down to the boards with uh, weighing on him so we, we, we did believe that it could happen um, and uh, like Emmett um, like has a great brain he's a very intelligent fella and he knew and he he, he, he knew that it could happen obviously um, like if, if it went his way but like obviously in racing so much happens in a race that you can't control that that um so much happens in a race that you can't control um listen most of the time it, it doesn't go the, the way you really want it but it does happen sometimes and and uh, listen he had to be a good horse to do what he did it was an even pace and and like he he really ran through the line nick you know so um i suppose everyone did believe that could happen and and we wouldn't have been running him there if not, uh, like obviously we would have discussed it with the lads before, and then everyone would have made the decision. Listen, we would let him run and and uh, see what was going to happen. Like he's a homebred, uh, top and bottom. Um, so no, it was great. I, I'm really. I, I was interested in what you said there that you like. You know, you like to cover the bases tactically when you've got all these runners in races. So you'd always, you know, you'd want a couple of front runners. You'd want maybe a couple of stalkers and and a couple of closers as well. But if you turned up with a bunch of horses who all roughly had the same profile, they were all really strong gallopers. They were all likely to be really strong stayers. Would you alter some of their games just so you could cover those bases? Well, how, how would you how would you play that? I find that quite interesting. No. Yeah, no, no, we wouldn't, uh, Nick. We would always do exactly what suits each horse. And sometimes you might look at a race and you might see a couple of hours going forward and going very fast. And sometimes when horses um, uh, like to be ridden handy, we don't change that. But because that can happen sometimes when a, a few take each other on up, up, up front, it can suit the ones at the back. But that wouldn't be intention, uh, intentionally ever. Um, like every horse would and every, every rider would have a set of instructions that they would think would suit their own horse. And if it, if it was um, playing against some of ours, so be it. But um, in, like in all those, those races, they're, they're running... Uh, to win if they can um, like obviously sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes you look foolish after it and sometimes it does work out and, and it, it looks great but that's just the way it is uh, we, we train them all individually to try and give them the best chance um, to win the race we would know as much about them as we could from listening to the lads riding them and their pedigrees and and uh, what what their their brothers or their sisters or the mum and their dad like to do in races and all those things can come into the occasion uh, into the equation really. Now, uh, after last weekend, quite understandably, there were lots of people saying, "Ah, oh, this is brilliant. Mogul's going to be the great flag bearer for Bally Doyle next year." And I was thinking, "Hang on a minute, has everyone forgotten about Love already? This is massive recency bias, isn't it, Aiden? I mean, she was she was the best horse by miles in the middle of the year." Yeah, no, she's a great filly, Nick. Like, obviously, a very special filly to do what she did. And, like, I suppose we, it's it's um, it's easy to forget about what she did in the Guineas. And then she went and did it in the Oaks. And then she she was having her prep for the Ark in in the in 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 York. So, like, listen, she's very special, Nick. Uh, always has been. Um, like when you see them doing it from a mile to a mile and a half, the way she does it, she's very uncomplicated. 
uh, Ryan rides are great and uh, um, no, she's something really to look forward to for next year. I mean, she she absolutely annihilated her Oaks field. She was she was brilliant. Is she okay? I mean, it, obviously we haven't seen her for a little while, and and you had the issues going into the arc, and and she may not have run anyway because of the soft ground. But is she is she hale and hearty now? Are you looking forward to an uninterrupted campaign with her next year? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, Nick. She's uh, just before I came on to you. She's just after doing her canter uh, um, um, in, in in up the front and. Uh, um, yeah, Chloe rode her this morning, and, and Jamie is very happy with her. Uh, um, Stephen, who rides her out every day, is, couldn't be happier with her. So she's done very well physically, and uh, we're looking forward to next year with her. And for so, for, a, for a filly like her, do you just keep her ticking over? She doesn't get like a complete break. Do you keep her ridden all the way through the winter and just sort of keep her keep her simmering? Yeah, I suppose it's every 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 horse is different. Uh, she had a little break after Arc Weekend because obviously she was trained for the Arc like. There was no tomorrow, and, and that was always the plan. And, and when you do that, they, they, they do need a little bit of a rest after. So she got a rest, and, and uh, she's just back uh, cantering again, back slowly. So um, I suppose it depends. Some horses, like Mogul, he will keep going because he's a big, strong, powerful horse, and uh, he, like he's much happier and... and uh, um, he's much happier mentally and physically to be moving. So um, I, I suppose they're all different, really, uh, Anik. But she had a little break after the arc because of that, and we had it in our head that the ground could be on the soft side. So we knew that she was going to have to be very fit. Um, so obviously, when it, it, it like it went the way it, it was, and then with all the circumstances, it, it just wasn't to be. I mean, we talked about it quite extensively at the time. I, I don't think I've. I've ever heard you quite as vexed as you were over the contaminated horse feed situation that meant that you couldn't have any runners in the arc. I mean, now when you reflect on it in the cold light of day, can you just recall how, how stressful that period was for, for you and your team? Yes, it was, it was, like, it was unbelievable, really. Um, I, I suppose the, the good thing about it is everyone was involved. Um, um, like we spoke a lot about it, and John, Michael, Derek, and MV, and Paul, and everyone. Uh, we spoke to Eduardo. Um, so every everything, everybody it was all happening together. And, and any calls we had, they were all conference calls, and the decisions were made as we went along. It was changing all the time. Um, obviously, when we took the first samples, we thought for Saturday's runners, we thought they might be okay. But then when when um, the samples came back from the French lab, there was no way they could run. And listen, the lads are very philosophical about it. And, and they, for the the new the, for the integrity of racing, there was no way that we could chance that we could run them. So, um, uh, like obviously, the, the lads made the decision, and, and that makes things very easy for us. Um, uh, they had all the information, and, and they decided just that was the right thing to do. So, listen, it was incredible, really. If someone told you it could happen or was going to happen, you, you, you couldn't believe it. But, um, listen, that's life and that's racing. And, like, things happen that uh, we never expect and or could ever expect or ever even dream about. But that was the way it was, and we just weren't meant to be there uh, that weekend, and that was it, really. Uh, when you saw how, how it all unfolded... <laughs> Is there any sense in which it was a, a blessing in disguise because of the, the conditions in Paris, or or was it was it were you just very cross not to be involved? I know. Sure, listen, you're you're never, I suppose, cross because there's no point and, and there's no uh, it, it, it absolutely gets nobody anywhere. So we accepted it the way it was. We were obviously some of the races we thought would have suited some of the horses, um, and and. Uh, like we were very happy with the horses and the horses that were in the arc we were very happy with every one of them um they had all trained well they had been trained hard so uh, like obviously we were looking forward 
to it. Um, some of them were going to go forward, some of them were going to take their time. So um, then we had Colt and the Philly in the two two-year-old races and we had Loopy the Fernandes and we'd Philly in the Phillies race. So listen, it, it was just unbelievable that it, it could happen, but it did happen and, and listen, that's, it's um, gone now and, and it's um, far from a problem really. Just talking about the, the two-year-olds who did reappear the next week, you ended up having the first and second home in the, in the Dewhurst with St Mark's Basilica and Wembley. I mean, who do you think is your, your leading three-year-old hope for the first part of next year, that sort of leading mile, mile and a quarter horse for, for next year? Who's the clubhouse leader at the moment? Yeah, it's very hard to know. Like, obviously, those two calls wouldn't have been in the Dewhurst if that had happened. Uh, St. Mark's Basilica was to go to the, the the Group 1 in France that, that day, and then Wembley would have ran in the Dewhurst. So, um, listen, so you'd imagine, like, obviously, St. Mark's Basilica won, and, or, uh, and Wembley was second, so um, both of those could have run in separate races, and then... Uh, obviously, we ran uh, Wharf when they were found in, in America. He, he ran a lovely race. So I think we have some uh, very nice uh, two-year-olds, I suppose, because the season was such a mess, um, especially with the two-year-olds. Um, they kind of got lost a little bit in the middle, and we had to run some of them a little bit more than we wanted to. Um, and, and, and Wembley would be, a, would be a, um, one of those, an example of that. So I suppose, I, I suppose like every year... Um, Nick, there's, there's horses there that are going to make good improvements. Some might make the improvement that we hope, but there is some of them there, and, and like it will be interesting to see what the spring will bring. But when you have those type of horses with those, with that kind of high-class form, any one of those could make a jump uh, right to the very top. But like we, we think we have some nice horses for, for next year. Uh, but, I, I mean, I, I know you don't like putting your neck on the block too much, but these horses have all established themselves at pattern level. So it's not as though you're building them up unduly. You know, you talked about the Dewhurst 1-2. We've got Battleground, the horse you referenced there, by Warfront out of Found, who ran such a fine race in the, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And this High Definition, who's already a short price favourite for the Derby, the, the Beresford Stakes winner. That horse has got an awful lot of people excited. Does he excite you as much? Uh, yeah, he was always very special, uh, Matt. He's a big, long... Scopey horse with a great mind. Um, uh, always, we, the plan was to give him two runs. He ran at the Curragh one very easy first time, and then he, he ran into Beresford and, and the, the same thing. Like like seriously impressive. Like he's he's a big high cruiser that can quicken. And, and when you're watching him, you don't see him quicken. But we saw what he did that day in the Beresford, which is unbelievable. And you'd say he wasn't going to win a furlong and a half down a furlong. Say you'd still say he couldn't win, and he won real snug on the line. You know, so there's another horse there, Van Gogh, that won in France, like massive, big, powerful horse as well. Could be anything as well. So, listen, like you said, high definition has always been very exciting type of horse. And the, the plan was always that he would be trained probably for the Derby next year. Uh, he's had his two runs for education at the Curry. He ran straight and then he ran around the bend. So he would have learned a lot. But um, like, like you said, he's, he's very exciting, really. Could you, could you conceivably start him in a Guineas or is that off the menu? Yeah, no, it's possible, uh, Nick, because all all of those things are. Um, but the lads will decide that what they want to do in the spring, and I suppose we'll see what type of guineas horses we have. And and like um, like, like I said, the lads are very happy to run two or three in the in the guineas sometimes. Like not all, not always, obviously. But it it is possible. Um, but it, it's obviously not a definite. And I suppose that we'll see how he trains in the spring, and we'll see how he is, and whether it's the right thing or not. But I, I don't think. Uh, he would have any problem with it pace-wise. He, like I say, he's a very high cruiser and, and gets the trip really well. 
Is Magical definitely going to stay in training? I mean, she ran another great race in Hong Kong. Uh, I, she did, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I was speaking to MB there, and, and uh, like obviously John Michael and, and Derek will decide that, but I, I suppose there's a good chance that she won't. Um, she, like Obviously, we were delighted to have her from last year. She's back from Hong Kong, and she seems in, in good form. Um, um, I, I um, uh, listen, the, the, um, Paul did... Um, a, a tweet from her there when she came back, and I thought she looked great. I just saw it there on on the on on, on Twitter, you know. So um, no, I, I suppose there's every chance that she won't, um, Nick. But listen, obviously the lads will decide that next week what, what they want to do. Um, listen, uh, listen. I, I think Aidan, you'd you'd agree with me that that if if she's retired to stud now, I don't think anyone's going to say you haven't you haven't campaigned her boldly enough. I know she's incredible, really. Like she's, I suppose, what makes her very unusual. Um, like we we remember her dam was a queen, and she's a queen, and obviously she's by Galileo, and uh, and she's been run at the top levels all the time since she was two, Nick. So that's a very unusual thing for a horse to do that, and and like today she's as sound as a bell, and everything is perfect with her, and, and like there was a few races where circumstances didn't go her way, but listen, she's just an unbelievable filly, really. Now, talking of unbelievable broodmares, um, Aidan, I, I want to talk to you about the, the dam of Order of Australia because she produced a Breeders' Cup winner now two years in succession. And she's a, a mare that, that you and your, your wife, Anne-Marie, picked up for very, very little money. And she's been an amazing success story. Am I right in thinking that you've got, you've got another in the production line, haven't you, a, a filly by Camelot that looks as though she might be even, even better than those two? Yeah, Santa Barbara um, is her name. She she won a maiden at the Curra. Um, she's just she looks very special. Nick, um, everyone was like I suppose uh, last year she was always the standout filly in her work. Um, she's only had the one run. She won her maiden very easy. Um, everyone always said that she was a good bit better than the ones that went before her. She's a she's a Camelot a lot of class when you look at her the way she goes through a race. She only had the one run so. She knows enough now um, for the spring, and I'd imagine there's a good chance that she could start off in the Guineas. But she she looks very special at home, Nick. So, um, um, like I suppose everyone is, is dreaming about her at the moment. And does it? I mean, does it give you and Anne Marie special satisfaction to to you know, be producing these horses as well as as well as training them? Is that a, is, does that give you a different type of thrill, a different type of kick? Ah, yeah, no, I suppose, like, like obviously, like you said, Emery bought her in, in, in Newmarket. Um, I, I think it's great, I suppose, everybody is involved. Um, um, like, and then, obviously, we were lucky that she was able to go to Camelot. So it's, it's, it's kind of all, the, all the, everybody in both teams at home and in Coolmore and Ballydoyle and everywhere, everyone is very involved. And it is great when, when you do have them and you have the mayors and you have the family and... You know, so it makes it, I suppose, very special, really. I, I suppose it's, it's an advantage because you know an awful lot about all the, the listen, the brothers and the sisters and the mum and everything, you know. So and, and, and everybody here would have that knowledge as well. So it does make it kind of very special, really. So is, is, this, is this next one, do you think she's the best of the lot on what you've seen so far? Is she the, is she the, the, the most talented one? Yeah, yeah she, she looks very special and she's, she's very like Camelot as well. Um, she, she's a very high cruiser. She's, she's really quality looking. Um, she's big and she's powerful and she can quicken. And like obviously, like you know, like he won the guineas. So and then went on and, and uh, went up to a mile and a half and a mile and six really. But he, she, she seems to have a lot of class and she has a lot of his um, 
I suppose things that the way she behaves and the quickness and the um, natural ability that he has, it looks like that she has. So listen, she's she's very exciting, really, Nick. Um, Aidan, I want to talk to you about riding arrangements next year. You said last week in Hong Kong that, that it was the plan that Ryan would stay as number one to, to, to Ballydore. Have you been in any way surprised by the speculation this season or not really? Or is it just part of the territory? Yeah, I think so it is. And like always our thing is, is like obviously we don't ever comment on speculation because then if you were, you, you'd be <laughs> commenting the whole time. And then it's very easy for somebody, if anyone's publicity about anything they make a comment and they expect you to react you know so listen that's the, the way it is and obviously we all know circumstances were very different and Ryan couldn't be here this year and we were using everybody and then Seamus and uh, and uh, Seamus got suspended and Wayne was got a fall and he was out and and then um, I suppose Colin was there and, and we used them and, and that will be the way always we will use the, the best available like we have great riders there we have like Padraig and Emmett and Michael and everyone, Killian, and there's a whole team of lads, Steve, and there's a whole team of riders there that we use, and, and, uh, but that's part of it, like, but obviously it's, we always find it's better not to comment on speculation, because then, like, you're only adding fuel to the fire, so, um, like, so we, that's why we don't, um, but we're hoping there next year that, listen, it won't be as restricted as we were this year, and, and hopefully Ryan will be able to come over uh, a bit more, you know, so um, it, was a, it was a strange year, like you said, uh, uh, Nick and there was no point in, in uh, making any comment either ways to, to anybody really uh, When I mean obviously because you run horses, lots of horses in, in lots of big races he's, he's on the wrong end of it a few times it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen because it's just the way of things if that happens a few times do you sometimes have to almost sort of reassure him that, that, it, you know, that, that, it, that, that he's still the number one man you know, because you know, we know that riding is a confidence game no, no. yeah yeah, no, no, absolutely, we, we don't. Nick, Nick uh, Ryan is a very professional fella, and he understands. And, and like, we would talk all the time uh, about stuff, and we would go through uh, what we're going to do, and I'd tell Ryan what I think uh, we would is the right thing to do. And, uh, and, and, but I always would say to Ryan, like, if you think different, like, we'll do that too. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And we would go through the horses that we have in the race that would be unexposed, and we wouldn't be sure about how good or how bad they'd be. Um, but we would never be surprised. Um, but that's the way we've always worked, and, uh, and I would imagine that's the way we'll always work. And, like, obviously, w when Ryan rides any of our horses, he's always delighted if any of ours win it. Uh, and, obviously, it wouldn't be human nature if he didn't like to be on him, and, and, and we would love him to be on him as well. But that's not the way life is. Like, horses run, they're all doing their best, and, and then we're delighted if any of them win. And, and uh, because, listen, the, the reality of it is nobody really knows what's going to happen. Um, you're hoping what's going to happen, and sometimes you have a good, strong uh, opinion and or a good, strong feeling, but it doesn't always happen that way. Aidan, a few, a few weeks ago, Jim Bolger, to whom you, know, you were uh, you know, a big part of his setup for, for a number of years, he, he did an interview where he, he said that he, he, he was unsatisfied or dissatisfied with the way that the, the, the testing procedures were, were in Ireland and that people had a, an unfair advantage, it wasn't a level playing field. Um, are, are you, do you share his view or, or are you satisfied with the integrity of the, of the sport as a whole in, in Ireland at the moment? Yeah, I'd say there's no doubt about that, Nick. Listen, obviously, uh, we've been tested a lot like everybody else, and, and that's the way it is. But, like, I, I like, I haven't spoken to anybody that thinks any different here in Ireland. And, uh, like, obviously, Jim is entitled to his opinion, but, listen, I, I don't. I, I would say 
like it's it's very clean and uh, I think everyone is doing a very good job here. Um, and I think if anyone thinks different, uh, they, they should they should talk to the authorities and tell the people about who they think is, is that way. Like, it, it's the best way rather than just blanket and everything saying this, that or the other thing, because then everyone is pointing their finger at everybody. And if anyone has a gripe or anything, they, they, go to the, they go to the authorities, tell them what they think and let them take care of it. That's really the proper way to do those things. But I, I would be very happy and I, I think everyone is here really and, and I don't think anybody thinks any different really. I think you, you make a quite an interesting point there because when it, whenever this sort of subject is introduced, there's lots of kind of tapping on the side of the nose and, you know, muttering under breath. Do you think there's time for a bit of a sort of open debate about, about um, you know, performance enhancement in sport? Do you think it's time for a sort of roundtable open debate on it and sort of people put their cards on the table and say, right, this is what's acceptable, this is what's not acceptable, this is how we're testing, this is how we should test, and make it a bit more of a, a, an, an open forum? I'm not sure about that, Nick. I think, like, like there's no... There's no um I don't. I don't think there's any place for any kind of performance-enhancing drugs anywhere in the world, and there shouldn't be. And there should be no drugs in any sport. Um, like obviously, as we all know, and horses should be let run on their ability. They should be let fitness and and proper, healthy, uh, normal, natural food do the rest. And and good riders and good people dealing with them. That's the way it should be. Um, in in our opinion, and uh, I, I think it's it's very simple. Like it, it's. There's a there's a list of drugs that you can't use, and and if they come up, um, you, you, like you're brought in and explained, and then the authorities take care of it. But I, I think it's it's very it's very clear and straight. And uh, then you, if there is contamination, you find out where it was. Was it uh, was it accident or was it uh, on purpose? And if it's on purpose, then like the people have to pay the penalty and and have to to um, the, the authorities have to act on it. I think that's the way it should be. Um, I think it's very simple. Uh, there should be no. Um, there, there should be like performance-enhancing drugs that are uh, administered uh, anyway um, on purpose. There should be no no uh, room for that in any sport, uh, in in racing or any other sport. I think. Aidan, I really appreciate your time today. I just want to conclude by, by saying it's, it's nearly a quarter of a century now. I, I, you probably hate me for saying that, but it's nearly a quarter of a century now that you've been, you've been consistently training winners at the, at the very highest level. You've broken just about every record there is to break. And um, I think you know, at, least, at least one of your sons, if not both, are going to be on your coattails trying to, trying to break those records in, in years to come. Can you, can you identify exactly what it is that, that motivates you to, to succeed year on year on year when you've won just about everything there is to win? What is it that's still spurring you on? Actually, I suppose, um, Matt, we, we, we love what we're doing. Uh, we, we love where we live. Um, and uh, and like we're delighted with the team of people and everyone. It, like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a job, but it's, it's, a, it's a hobby all rolled into one. Um, and uh, this is what we do, and this is what we live for every day. And, and uh, when everybody is happy around us and everybody is enjoying it, then listen, I, I think it's only good for everybody. But like, obviously, it's a big commitment by everybody, and and uh, and uh, I think everybody appreciates it from each other. The commitment everyone puts in, like obviously, starts at, at John, Michael, and and uh, and Derek, and and obviously Sue and 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 uh, Gay and, and Mrs Tabor and everyone, they, they started and they put it in and then we all have to folly and do our best for them. Um, like it's a big team effort. Um, everyone enjoys it every day and, and uh, listen, we just feel very privileged that we're able to do it on a, on a daily basis, really. And 
Do, do, does the success of young trainers, and obviously you bred two of them, but does the success of younger trainers, new blood in the sport, does that, does that start arousing your own competitive instinct? Do you think, right, I've got to stay at the top because these young guys are coming through, even if they are your own family? Oh, yeah, no, that's great, though, Nick, but that's, like, they, they're all young, fresh, young thinking minds, which is great. Um, they, they will do everything. They try learn from everybody and try find new things to improve it, and I think that's what we all learn from. And, like, obviously, any young trainer coming up, you always try and stay close to them and, because they all come up with new systems and things that work, and if they, if they work, you, you like to be able to use them in your own system if you can, and you try to be as open as honest with everybody so to help them come along because because the reality is that's the life of the soul of the sport is young people coming on and we have to encourage them and and uh, like obviously you can't give them an inch because of this sport and you do your best to beat them in every way but like it it has to be competitive and and uh, you have to help them to uh, progress and and to mature and uh, i think it's it's because they bring in a certain amount of young people with them and uh, um, I, I think it's great for everybody, really, when, when young trainers are coming along, and it's good for us as well. And how will the next few days be for you, Aidan? Will it, it just be business as usual, much the same? Yeah, we're, we're busy, uh, Nick, because people will start taking holidays now next week, and, and that's the way it is. But the horses will have to be exercised. But like, it's, 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 uh, like we, we love doing that. Um, like obviously, we'll have more lots than usual, like everybody else, over, over Christmas. That's the way it is. Um, look forward to Christmas, and then look forward to watching telly and watching all the different programmes, and like programmes like your own and everyone, <laughs> all those kind of things. So they, that's, that's, what keeps us all, that's what keeps us all going, really. Uh, well, I, I, I feel suitably flattered, Aidan. Thank you. Uh, and enjoy the, enjoy the Christmas break with the family. And, uh, and thanks so much for talking to me this morning. No, pleasure, Nick. T thanks very much. Happy Christmas to everybody. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Ekruel, Dubai.